Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monika Banach, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode. I have Stephanie McGregor again. She was my guest on episode 24 where we discussed her losing 150 pounds in one year. So if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and listen to it. She shares a lot of valuable information and she's just just amazing and inspirational. Today, however, We are going to discuss her recent fast that she did 42 days. Yes, 42 days. She went without food for 42 days. And we're going to discuss how much she lost, the reasons why she did such a long fast. And we're also are going to answer some of the questions that people have DM'd me with on Instagram And I'm super intrigued. (laughs) I've never done anything longer than seven days. And that was only one time. And I can't even imagine going longer. But she did it. She's super inspirational. And I have so many questions for her as well. And I look forward to hearing what she has to say, her experience. And hopefully you all will enjoy it. Of course, everything we discuss here is for general information only. None of this is meant to be medical advice. Don't start a 40-day fast without medical supervision. And before you make any changes to your diet, always consult your PCP. Well, welcome to another episode, Stephanie. I'm so happy to have you back. I am like so intrigued by your 42-day fast. Like I'm like absolutely blown away. I myself have done seven day fast. That was my longest. And that was like two years. So I haven't done anything over five days in two years. So I am like so blown away and intrigued. And I know a lot of people out there are as well. So I want to start off just asking you, what was the reason for you doing this 42 day fast? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah, so there is there is a background story to this. Back in the 1990s, I was working at a summer camp and there were some people in my community. I did not go to this church with them, but I caught wind that they wanted to fast and pray for 40 days. And I was quite involved in the church back then and I was really intrigued and it just... I find for me, when I feel like I'm really supposed to do something, I get a sort of feeling in my heart that's almost like butterflies, like flutters in my chest, like a nervous excitement. And when that feeling doesn't go away, over the years I've learned, that tends to be an indicator that this is something you really need to pay attention to and tune into, like your body, your spirit, like something is speaking. And so I looked into it and and I'm like a dog with a bone. When I get a topic, I just dig and learn. Now, granted, It wasn't quite the same as now with so many faith. There was no Facebook and Facebook groups and internet, but I did what I could. I read paperback books and 
decided this is I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And so in 1997, as a teenager working at this summer camp, I embarked on the fast and I was isolated from all these other people who were doing it. So during mealtime, I would go down to the chapel with my guitar and hang out. I didn't know a lot then. I didn't know what I know now about autophagy and ketosis. I just was fasting because I knew fasting was healthy and I knew it was good for spiritual health and mental health and physical health. So I just went for it. But long story short, on day 25, I went into the city for training for the university orientation frosh week, freshman week committee and drank Malibu coconut rum. <laughs> so I strongly advise never end a fast with alcohol no. <laughs> ever idea. again. Always a bad No, idea. terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. And so then, you know, a lot of life has happened since 1997. Fasting has never been completely foreign to me over the years. If I really had a bout of a lot of stomach and GERD issues, I'd say, well, maybe I just need to do a, a cleanse for seven days. And my roommate and I would fast for seven days, but then I'd have rebound syndromes with needing antacids. And so it's like, you know, I never really learned and understood what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to now, I'm already deep into the fasting focused lifestyle. Intermittent fasting is part of my life. Short fasts are part of my life. Extended fasts. I enjoy the feeling of being fasted. So I start thinking, you know, oh, the, the season of preparing for Easter's coming, Lent is coming, this arbitrary, you know, 40 day number that always seems to come up with not, not just in Christianity, but in every religion in the world, this concept of 40 days of purpose, 40 days of focus. And it was like, my heart got that feeling again. And it was one of those moments where it was like, you know, when you feel like I just, I need to finish what I started 25 years ago, I never finished it. And so, you know, it didn't start out originally as a, I'm going to do this for spiritual purposes, but it just lined up in time as I'm getting ready for Easter that I said, you know, what better time to do it than for this purpose so that I'm doing it not just as a weight loss diet, but for a better purpose to focus on different intentions and to read literature and to study things daily as part of my fast and so I literally looked at it as I had regained some weight during COVID, as did a lot of people. So my body fat and BMI percentages were not where I want them or need them to be, medically even speaking. And so I said, you know, this could hopefully be the last time in my life that I have the body fat percentage and storage to sustain 40 days. Mm -hmm. And so I set my intentions to water fast for 40 days and gave myself no pressure, nothing carved in stone. I said, you know, if I don't feel well at any time, I stop. If I need fasting aid, like broth, then I will do that. I just said, I will listen to my body. This is what I'm going to aim for. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where this will take me, but I knew that I'm at the one year mark of being completely prescription free. My body fat was a little elevated. I had a little extra padding that I needed to work with. And it was winter, so I wasn't going too far anyway, because fasting makes me cold. And I thought, you know something? It's this is the right time. This is right. I want to finish what I started and I I can do this. And then I threw it out there and ended up having some people kind of jump in with me in all different contexts and levels of fasting. I but for me, on Facebook, correct? I started well um, an event. Yep. I have my own page 
And then I started anyone, an event and then also a fasting circle. Did anyone complete the, the full 42 hours with you? Uh, days there was two days with you or no yeah there was one other person who did I think it was a thousand hours and many people committed for their first time ever doing a 72 a week or fasting Mm -hmm. intermittent every day when that was new for them and so everybody there were 28 people in my life fasting circle and everybody was committing to a new or a harder version of fasting for them and it was really neat to see people succeeding in it And for me, at no point did I say, I'm doing this come hell or high water. And like I said, I always say during any fast, if it doesn't feel right, I stop. And when it didn't feel right anymore, I stopped. But it was shocking when you go into something prepared and in the right mindset and in the right body Mm -hmm. circumstances, how things will work out. Well, and with fasting, I mean, if you're not mentally prepared, you're not mentally there, I've been there. You cannot, I mean, I can't even get through a full day of fasting if I'm not mentally ready and prepared. Same. So that's a huge, huge part of it. So a big, very common question that people have had is, were you medically supervised during this fast? So I saw that question and it's come up directly to myself and I know to you. So I just, I know that you always have disclaimers and I just want to reiterate that you definitely should make sure that your medical team is in the loop. To answer the question, I can't unfortunately give you a direct yes or no, because was I medically supervised? Yes, I'm always medically supervised in my health pursuits. Was I directly and actively medically supervised during those specific 42 days? No. But the thing is, I've been working with my doctor for quite a long time now, and I had also been working with an endocrinologist And closely with my pharmacy, actually, also because of when I was on certain prescriptions and looking at certain supplements and symptoms that happen even during this fast, I actually did call the pharmacy at one point. I had a 10-minute chat about a supplement and what it may or may not have been doing to me. And that was kind of a cool finding we can talk about after. Mm -hmm. So I am medically supervised. I have a very close relationship with my doctor. And he's very well versed in what both my husband and I are always up to in the context of eating a ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting in general, fasting, pushing limits with fasting, even soft, dry fasting. We talk about carnivore as a dietary approach. We talk about all kinds of things that come up in the fasting and keto world, like from cholesterol numbers to glucose and insulin numbers to changes in blood pressure. So like I said, it's one of those questions that it's a yes, it's a no, it's a loaded question. Yes, I'm always medically supervised. And my doctor's office is not two miles down the road, yeah. nor is my pharmacy. What I mentioned here is like, you have been doing this for quite some time. Right. I know that your previous fast, you had your doctor supervise you, your doctor knows you, knows your fasted focused lifestyle. So this is not like, I didn't just jump into this into some crazy experiment. So don't don't do that. If you've never fasted before, you have lots of issues and stuff like that. Don't jump into a long fast like that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like if you're on prescriptions, it's just not negotiable at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, and even in 1997, the cool thing, my family doctor in 97, when I said, hey, I want to do a 40 day fast, he said, okay, he was part of the church people who were going to do the fast. And so even in 1997, here's this doctor was like, yeah, cool. Fast forward 25 years later, 
And now he's working with dementia patients and he himself is suffering Parkinson and he's come full circle and is back to using keto and fasting to help with brain issues related to those diseases. And so it's pretty neat. The doctor I have now is fresh. He wrote his exams and became our doctor. He's fresh. He's open. He's receptive. He's not a pill pusher. He, he celebrates with us. Like when I came off of my last prescription last spring for blood thinners, he was so excited along with me. You know, he's very much well-versed. And one example of how I am medically supervised yesterday, I took my kids to an appointment, just an annual growth check. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, we talked about my shoulder injury. I had stalled in physiotherapy after two years of rotator cuff physiotherapy. Last November, the physiotherapist said, I need to discharge you because we've reached a plateau. There is literally nothing more physically I can tell you to do or try. You are doing everything right. I suggest you get a cortisone injection at this point. So yesterday I had an opportunity to talk face-to-face with my doctor and say, remember in November, when you said, yep, I'll give you a cortisone injection. He said, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, guess what? Since December, I got back on track with the fasting and eating the proper human diet. And my shoulder is fine. I'm now doing full loaded bench or squat barbell squats. And he said, that's fantastic. It's amazing. So it was obviously inflammation. So am I medically supervised in the sense I'm going weekly during a fast? No, but like you said, I've been doing this long enough now and we talk about it. It's incredible. It really truly is. And like when I tell people like, you know, even during the five day fast, how, you know, day three and four, you get like weird pains in certain areas of previous injury. And, you know, you're like, what's going on? And your body is healing that area. The stem cells are going to that part of your body that needs healing. It's truly remarkable to like, when you think about it, like what really happens in your body. But anyway, going back to this. So this was your longest fast in the last two years, correct? When you really kind of got truly back into fasting. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. Prior to this one, the longest was 12 days last summer. So Okay. You and Angelica and yes, quite a few of the ladies were doing your fast. Because we were chatting. Right. And I had gone camping. Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I had already started my fast and then I jumped in with the ladies and then I got to day 12 and kind of threw it out the window at camping. But <laughs> wow. But outside of that, this is, I've never done anything this long. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I mean, were you like kind of freaked out? Like, am I going to be able to do it? Or you were just like, you know, I'm going to trust my body and let my body tell me when I need to stop. All of the above. It's funny because if I set out to do a seven day fast on day two, I struggle for a bit. By the time I wake up on day three, I'm usually totally fine. And it's smooth sailing. I think with this one, and it was just a mental game. It's almost like my body knew what we were doing, but my brain hadn't caught up. And so it took until about day six, I would say, until I felt that sort of smooth Mm. level, you know, things just kind of that wall that I normally hit around 24 to 36 hours lasted for about four days. And then when it let go, it just all of a sudden, next thing I know, I said, I only have 10 days left. It just flew by after that. Of course, the most common question that we've already discussed and people are just like so focused on this and I understand but at the same time it's not about just that how much did you lose (laughs) during this fast how much weight did you lose 
<laughs> and it's so funny, you know, I got really snaky about that question. And I kept getting triggered because even during like week by week, I would get the question, well, how much I kept getting triggered because even during like week by week, I would get the question, well, how much are you down so far? And I would almost get like super defensive as though somebody was trying to steal my diary. And finally, I put a poll out there and I said, does this digit interest you and why? Mm -hmm. And I started to listen to what people were saying as to why it intrigued them. And I, I realized that some people just resonate with some digits and some facts and some symptoms more than other things. And as long as they understood that when you fast, you will lose weight, but it's a lot of fluid. It's a lot of, a lot of things that will shift back up again and not to panic. I just had to take a deep breath and say, it's just a number and people can do what they wish with it. So the fact of the matter is in 42 days, I dropped 35 pounds, 35. which is pretty astonishing considering like I had lost so much prior. And then yes, I had gained a bunch back, but out of what I had gained back, I was already down what I think 25 pounds from December 7th until middle of February when this started. So to, to then go on to lose 35 pounds in 42 days was quite shocking. And I kept weighing myself for a couple of days after I started broth and it stayed the same. And then I left it alone until the end of the month because I've basically been feasting this whole week because last week was just getting my digestive back on track. This week I've just been like eating all the things and, and feasting like aware of what I'm doing, not entirely feeling great after every meal, because I'm like, oh, that was too much more than I thought it would be. But I know this week, I would totally I'd probably be up at least 10 pounds, but it's fluid and food in my colon and waste. And, and so I'll check in again, you know, at a one month after I've broken the fast. But 35 pounds is pretty astonishing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your to this day, like, what is your total weight loss from when you started your journey two years ago? Like, what is your current total weight loss? Well, as of the day I ended the fast, as of Easter Sunday, just the other day, my tracker for weight said total loss to date was 155. So because I had lost 150 mm -hmm. in a year. Yes. And then I went dairy free for a year after that. And I kind of lost another 10 but it didn't really prove to be where my body was able to sustain that because once I added any dairy back and different things, it just came back up. So I'd lost at 150, then it was 160 and then back to 150 for a while. So as of right now, I'm between having been down about 150 to 155 from my heaviest, which is still amazing. And I would be happy to stay here. It feels good. Yeah. You look amazing. I mean, the pictures, Definitely check out her Instagram. Your before and afters, I mean, are just incredible. Like I, I'm blown away myself, and I'm just so inspired by your fast. I don't know that I could ever do anything that long myself. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about. Doing yeah, I know, but then I, you know, I think of stuff like that, and you work full time, and you coach people, and you work out hard. You know, I do have the luxury at this stage in my life. You know, it's unfortunate how I became stay-at-home mom because I was working but it's unfortunate that sickness put me in this position but I don't regret being here because I'm with my kids but it allows me a little bit more time to focus a little bit more on laying low if that's what it takes or you know 
just resting a bit. My kids are old enough to kind of entertain themselves if I need to. I don't have to go work a 12-hour shift yeah, in the midst 20, of day 35 of a fast. 24-hour shift, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That yeah, you know, right? I, I definitely would not. There's no way. I couldn't do it. Um, would you ever do it again? Is this something you would do again or at this stage of your weight loss, you're pretty happy where you're at and how are you feeling that you probably not going to do anything longer like that. What's your thoughts on this? I'm honestly, I don't want to say, Oh, I'm never doing that again. I have said that <laughs> when I started this, I said, this is a one-time thing. I flat out said, you know, my body fat percentage started. I think, I think I started the fast at a 39% body fat. And so I said, you know, I can sustain this. Mm. I'm hoping over the rest of this year to continue working on body composition changes and shorter fasting. And I'm hoping to get my body fat to a place where maybe I wouldn't even be able to sustain a long fast like this. Mm -hmm. If I ever felt like I had gotten myself in a place where it would prove to be beneficial, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Again, like I mentioned before, sometimes you get that. I call it, for me, coming from a religious standpoint, I believe that's when you're being convicted, you know, when you're, I don't know, you know, depending on what people believe in or not, like when someone when your higher power is speaking to you saying, you need to do this, or like, you need to, you need to press into focusing on something else for a bit. So in order to do that, you need to take away the the desires of the flesh, the food, you know, so I don't know, I mean, I'll keep an open mind. Yeah. I don't know that I would ever intentionally say, you know, once a year, I will do this, maybe 21 days once a year. I don't know. I think only time could tell. I think I'm going to be having one more skin related surgery. So who knows how healing would go. And sometimes it would lead me to do a long fast for deep scar healing. Gotcha. So again, I don't know that in the context of a weight loss standpoint that I think it would be wise to make it a habitual thing maybe some intermittent dry and wet fasting, but I don't know that I would ever do another 40 days for Lent specific yeah. fast. Gotcha. Cause I mean, one thing that I'll say is hard is that most people will say, Oh, I'm so cold when I'm fasting. I mean, for 42 days, I was painfully cold, mm. <laughs> you know, snow pants at the playground and yeah. kids are wearing sneakers and hoodies. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's tolerable, but it's not enjoyable to be that cold. All this fat burning. So what did you drink during this fast? So right for 40, nothing to eat, right? Nothing to digest, no calories, no splash of cream in the coffee. So black coffee only. And surprisingly, I reduced how much coffee I drank, if at all, not even every day. I drank snake juice as needed. But I found the longer into the fast I got, regardless of how much I cut it with water, it still would be like a salt flush for me. Mm. So I actually didn't need to drink snake juice a whole lot, despite that sounding counterintuitive because of electrolytes. I would do it to be intentional, mm -hmm. but otherwise I would just focus on the salt, just the Redmond salt in my mouth as needed without as much water. Mm. I definitely reduced how much water I drank. So snake juice, just fresh water sparkling water not sweetened mm -hmm. and minimal black coffee i did not actually have any broth until day 42 when i decided to break it 
Gotcha. Did you do a kidney shot as well? Just alkalize the kidneys? Because sometimes when you go didn't. that long, no. Okay. Gotcha. I know what they are and I know they're beneficial. I just struggle with ACV. It makes me just mm-hmm. wretch. <laughs> so no baking soda either? Just Oh, I use baking soda in my snake juice daily. Okay. Okay. So yeah. The- yeah. Because especially after I broke a dry day, because I did yeah. do that a few dry days, I would start with 16 ounces of water with a teaspoon full of baking soda and sip at that. Gotcha. Just yeah, to prepare myself. Important part of, you know, preventing kidney stones. Cause sometimes when you're fasting this long, that long, your body can get kind of acidic. And you For sure. Be- Yes. And I also know I'm not prone to issues with uric acid or kidney stones. And then I've also been doing so many fasts in three and a half years yeah. that I feel pretty confident and I've had lots of kidney and like creatinine tests and different uric acid tests. So mm-hmm. I felt pretty confident that at this stage in the game with as much fasting as, as I had done, that I wouldn't see a flare up of gallstones or kidney stones. If you were quite new it could be shocking to find out like that uric acid could build up and your kidneys could just throb. And I did find I felt my kidneys aching in my back when I did a dry day. So I broke with baking soda and water that evening because it just didn't feel right. And I knew it was my kidneys in my back. I could feel it. So it's uh, yeah, definitely important to listen to your body and definitely educate yourself when it comes to some of the stuff, because you don't want to <laughs> end up in the ER with a kidney stone because I've never had one, but I Neither. know how painful they are because I take care of people that have kidney stones mm-hmm. during surgery and stuff. What would you say has been your the hardest part during this fast? Like what has been the most challenging thing during this fast? It's funny. It's crazy to say because for people listening who are interested in just getting started with fasting at all, fasting for 24 hours sounds really hard to people. To say that nothing was hard. sounds crazy, (laughs) but it wasn't the fast. The hardest thing is the thing I already mentioned, which was being really cold. Mm. And it's funny because I thought it was just winter time that all of a sudden I was becoming a a daily afternoon hot soak in the tub kind of girl. Mm -hmm. But since I've been refeeding and having lots of protein, I get in the tub and I start sweating and I'm like, what is wrong with me? This is, I don't enjoy this. And then I realized it's because I'm eating and I'm not so cold. And so I found it hard because there were days that an hour would go by at bedtime and I was still being in my bed so cold that I couldn't get my feet warm. I would go get my hair dryer, plug my hair dryer in beside my bed, lift my blankets up, blow the hair dryer under the covers to warm it up. And then throw the hairdryer on the floor, put the blankets down and go to sleep because I literally couldn't get warm. And the problem was, it's almost like I had an aversion to black hot coffee, which is weird. And I almost felt mad that I wasn't enjoying coffee. But part of me was like, it's probably a good thing I'm not having it. But I was almost mad because the hot coffee might have warmed me up. But it was like I had an aversion to it. And so I wasn't drinking it. So I was starting my day with water or cold water or a cold coffee. Tea? Could you do hot tea? And again, I had one tea the whole time and it was on the last day. Hmm. I just, it's weird. It's like, I didn't want certain things. I didn't even end up want today was the first day I had a coffee with a splash of cream since the day before the fast in February. Wow. It's like my body just didn't want it. So a hot bath and 
a portable heater and my hairdryer made my life more tolerable. But going to get my kids, they ha- they get out at two different times at two different schools. Fasting during the cold season still, there'd be days at the bus stop or the school pickup. I was almost in tears because I was just, wow. it was just so cold. And so that was hard. But again, it, it's strange. When I say hard, I mean, I was like a cranky baby about it, but not it didn't sure. make it didn't make life unmanageable. I'm sure people would be like, really? That was your heart. That was the hardest part. But listen, <laughs> like when you're cold, like I when I'm cold, like it hurts. Like I Yeah, it, it was like bring tears to your eyes yes. uncomfortably cold. Yes, yes. You know, and I was the only grown up wearing snow pants at school pickup. <laughs> No shame. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Um, did you experience any issues with sleep? So I normally do. I started taking CBD oil for bedtime. So I now faithfully take it an hour, two hours before bed. And so, I mean, unless I just wasn't having a good night, 99% of my nights, I slept like a baby. Now, normally during extended fast, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I'm still like, you know, but really, I just, I just kept that as my routine as normal. And so it ma- any insomnia I might have had from fasting was completely masked by taking CBD oil. So it doesn't break your fast, the CBD oil? No, and like, like I looked into it and there's not enough studies in general about autophagy and what turns it on and what turns it off and to what degree, like it's still, there's still so much we need to learn about autophagy. And so that was one of the things for me, I decided any risks of temporarily tampering with autophagy were outweighed by the benefits of sleep and sanity and restfulness and anxiety. You know, I have a mentally ill husband. I have two young children. Mm. I couldn't risk the insomnia that comes for a lot of people with fasting yeah. and it took me a long time to get to this place but there is no shame in saying it helps with my perimenopause symptoms i had two periods come and go during this fast one right at the beginning one right at the end no issues right on time no no pms symptoms just nothing you know and i'm sure the cbd helped with that too because mm-hmm. sometimes i won't sleep even because of my period I'm going to have to try it out. Like I've actually never tried CBD oil, but I've I've heard great things about it. It, It's just been a game changer. I'd say since about last early last fall. Mm. And it's probably what helped me be able to simmer down from the train wreck of 2020 and get myself calmer Mm. and into a place of being able to get back to focus and be on track even. So, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it just in general, but in the context of fasting or hormones, it's a game changer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good to know. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, in fact, I've written that down. I meant to I meant to make sure that was mentioned because insomnia is such a struggle with fasting. Oh yeah, so common. And now people panic about it. And you don't need to panic about it because yes. the sleep you're getting is fewer hours, but the hours you're getting are deep quality, sleep. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help when you have two small kids and you've been awake since 3 a.m. Absolutely. Yeah. Because halfway through the day, you're like, I'm toast. Wow. So at least with this, it just sustained me through the day. Yeah. Sometimes boredom does get to you too. You know, yeah. everyone else is eating and you're like, ah, mm. yeah, not eating again. <laughs> did you exercise during this fast? And what did you do for exercise? And- yep. Yeah, so I 
I did not go out for walks because it was too damn cold. <laughs> At the beginning of the fast, I had stated my intentions. Well, actually, if you back up one month, January, end of January was the one year mark since I had my skin removal surgery on my stomach and had stomach muscle repair. So I wasn't cleared to start lifting heavy weights, doing planks or core or anything with my abs until the end of January. So I was only two weeks past that appointment when this, this fast started. So I had already stated my intentions this year to start and to aim to get there to the gym three times a week. Two of those days are total body strength days. So maybe barbell squats or deadlifts, bench press, heavier lifting. So I started out the fast where I was just restarting in January anyway, Mm -hmm. which was a slightly lowered weight factor from before surgery. So where I started out at the beginning of the fast, my squats, like my major muscle groups, stayed status quo. So I was bench or I was squatting 95. I was deadlifting 95. That stayed the same, but the smaller muscle groups like biceps, triceps, shoulders, anything. So if I was doing shoulder press with 12 pound weights, by the end of the fast, I was using eight pound weights. So my, my weight factor came down, but my days that I was going to the gym stayed the same. The fact that I was working out and for how long stayed the same. So my intensity did come down a little step-by-step step, and my weight factor came down step-by-step step a little bit, but I never stopped working out. Interesting. And so now I'm back to, okay, now we need to build back up and then build up. So I did keep working out. Do you feel like you lost muscle? No, if anything, I feel like I've been starting to gain some. I mean, my, my stamina and strength to push wasn't there. So maybe I was using smaller weights, but then, like I said, my, my larger muscle groups were still taking the brunt. So that was fine. And also my shoulder was clearly going through a lot of healing. So to lower a shoulder press didn't shock me and it was totally okay. And I'm sure I probably could have kept going at the 12, but I was listening to my body. My body felt a little bit fatigued. So I said, now is not the time to push. And even Cole Robinson says, when you're fasting, that's not the time to push the heavyweights anyway. And my coach also is interested in fasting. And she and I talked a lot. I have three coaches, but the head coach, who's also the owner of the gym, mm-hmm. like they all were in the loop of what was going on, all of them. And so if they said, oh, we're doing this today, kettlebell swings, I'd say, I'm just going to go with a baby kettlebell for this one today to go through the functional movement. They were like, yeah, no problem. But I mean, they always were like, you're okay. A couple of times, for example, I will get orthostatic hypotension, low blood pressure sometimes. Usually for me, that means, yeah, like, but sometimes like for me, that means, okay, haven't had enough snake juice today, particularly for me, that's usually a potassium issue. So if we were doing burpees at the gym, I had to be really intentional when I was coming up to leave my head to the very end and then go back down for the next one. So the coaches knew all of those things. And so, you know, kind of like being medically supervised, I was also nutritionally and fitness supervised too. So I had professional fitness trainers constantly keeping their eye on me going, you good? You feel okay? You know, right. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like, honestly, it's incredible that like you were able to even work out like how many times people feel like, 
oh my gosh, if I fast, I cannot do anything because I'm going to like pass out or die from like lifting my finger up like this, you know? And it's like when I'm fasted, like I actually like feel better when I go to the gym and I'm fasted. I have more energy. So there's definitely that growth hormone factor. You know, I don't know all the details, like, you know, different people get different growth hormone spikes, but like I've experienced like just my workouts are so much better when I'm fasted and then I come home For and sure. I eat afterwards. Well, and normally Wednesdays are cardio days. Mm-hmm. So when I say cardio, I don't mean an elliptical trainer. I mean, lower weights, higher repetition, mm-hmm. higher heart rate, you know, you're up and down, you're up and down. There's more Tabata movements. So it's more like a hit workout yeah. with hand weights, wow. but I prefer to do Wednesdays for me. I prefer to do fasted. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier this week in general, I've been like not intermittent fasting. I've just been on feast mode and I made a meat pie on Wednesday and I ate it at one o'clock mm-hmm. and cardio day was at four thirty. I literally thought I was going to vomit. And I said to the coach, now I remember why cardio day is fasted day for me because this is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. I just can't do it next week. Not like and that. I probably just feel sluggish too. Yeah. You know? like, well, and I only half-assed did the workout because I was like, if I push, I, I will throw up. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I like to do my eating days on strength days, the heavier weightlifting ones, and then fast on cardio day because it's just not good for my stomach. How did you get over watching your family eat dinner and cooking for your your family? For a lot of people, that seems to be the biggest struggle is like when they're fasting yeah. and then they're watching their family eat or cooking for them. And you're like just sitting there like, oh, gosh, I'm going to die from hunger. <laughs> so can you touch on that? and tell For us sure. Yes. So this is actually a big problem for a lot of people, mm-hmm. more specifically women and definitely more specifically women with young children. I will say. In the same sense that I I said, I have an unfair advantage being a stay-at-home mom versus being a full-time medical professional, I have an unfair advantage at mealtime because I am severely celiac. And so way before fasting, way before keto, it has already been the norm in my house that I don't eat what anybody else is eating. And so I also don't force the subject of Meal time is at this hour and we sit down and eat. And this is why for a few reasons. One, I recognize not everybody is hungry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Two, my son has severe texture issues. The odds of getting him and my daughter to eat the same foods are highly unlikely at this stage. Three, I intermittent fast. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what I'm eating or when I don't eat when they eat anyway. Four, My husband works permanent overnight shifts. His first meal is at 9 p.m. I'm not waiting till 9 p.m. to eat with him. Not only that, I don't eat the same foods as him because we keto and fast very differently. So I don't prepare meals for him. So I've got a lot of these unfair advantages. I don't have to cook for my husband. Here's the thing, though. Like, I feel really bad for the bulk of the people who live a more traditional family dynamic and meal schedule, because ideally I would love for that to happen. I think it's beautiful. And I grew up that way. I think it comes down to stop thinking of what you're doing as being something selfish 
first of all, just in the context of the food itself, what you're doing is loving yourself and taking care of your body. And so you don't need to feel like I'm a dick because I'm the odd man out at the dinner table. No, you need to take care of you first and foremost. As for the difficulty that comes with cooking for family or kids and fasting, it gets easier when you're doing it for you and you don't feel apologetic about it. So when you're fasting because you genuinely want the health benefits and you truly feel well when you're fasting, you don't give a crap how it looks or how it feels, even if you went to a potluck and you people, it's almost like you just have to let go of the social and societal pressures on you. And someone says, why aren't you eating? I guarantee people think more about others being worried about why they're not eating than how many people actually notice that you're not eating. Most people won't notice because I'm celiac. I don't go to potlucks and eat things. And if someone says, well, you're not hungry. I'm like, nah, I already ate. Yeah. And we discussed this on our last podcast, episode 24, kind of like the social pressures, but mm-hmm. okay, think about it this way. Okay. If you go to somebody's house and you know, they are like, Oh, you want some food? Just say, thank you. I'm not hungry at the moment. You don't have to say I'm fasting. But no. If somebody offered you cocaine, you know, would it be hard? Yeah. To you don't say, say thank you. I'm not having it this week. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just saying no, it's the same thing, you know, like, you know, you, you have no problem saying no, I don't want any cocaine today. Thank you, though. Like, but again, like hard. people, you have to treat the fasting and food topic in society as similar to bullying. People will push and say dumb things to you. You just have to choose not to let it get to you. And you don't feel, you do not have to feel that you have to justify yourself to anyone. The harder part is when it's your own home, your own family. I get it that that's hard. Or if you're not celiac and your kids are like, can we make cupcakes? And you're like, how do I not eat one? It's just a choice. It just comes down to being a choice. It's discipline. It gets easier over time. Then some days it's really not easy, but you just make a choice. And then if some, for some reason you lick something or grab something don't panic about it and don't go post on the facebook group group and be like oh my god i put the spoon in my mouth while i was stirring the soup do i have to start my fast over no just keep going (laughs) life didn't stop you're fine but i do commiserate with you i feel bad because like i said i think being celiac and working opposite shifts for my husband actually gives me an unfair advantage to some families yeah. I get it. But it's, I mean, it's yeah. like it really shouldn't be that much different. Yes, you know, there's not nothing wrong. Just go and cook dinner for your family. Like you stay in your lane. You know what you're doing this. You decided to do, you know, even if it's a three-day fast, you made a decision, mm-hmm. you commit to it. Keep the promises you make to yourself. It's going to build your confidence, your self-esteem. And when you finish, you're going to feel so much better. Like you know, but it's almost always like after you eat, you're like, oh, I wish I haven't broken my fast, you know? Oh, yeah. I've never felt like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I broke my fast. Like, it's always the opposite. Same thing when you, you know, don't feel like going to the gym and you get there and you're like, yes, I'm so glad I went to the gym. Exactly. Again, it's your journey. Don't let anyone bully you or make you feel, whether it's at work or at home, you know, it's, it's your journey. Just get get it straight here first in your mind and it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot easier you know and your family will understand another very common question asked by people is did you lose hair did you 
notice any hair loss? Did you take any supplements for hair? Because that's a seems to be a very common concern with longer fasts. Is, mm-hmm. You know, your hair, hair follicles basically churning off and your hair falling out. Have you yeah. experienced that? I'm not going to lie about it. It's also not the first time this has happened to me. So yes, I lost piles of hair. During this However, fast before? During this fast, last summer during my 12-day fast, in 2017 when I started keto, in 2016 after I had Phoebe, in 2014 after I had Noah, mm. in 2017 after I had blood clots, anytime you have like a massive hormone change yes. or a pregnancy or a rapid amount of weight loss mm. or an extreme fast, it's called stress. It's your body's natural way of saying, what's the least important thing right now? Hair, drop it. Mm-hmm. It's fine though. I know right now my hair is straightened. So it's a lot smoother than what you would see. It's pulled back. My hairdresser came last Friday and she was like, you are at no risk of being bald anytime soon. Trust me. And she even was explaining the longer your hair is, the more you'll also notice it. Yeah, I also don't long, brush right? and wash my hair often. So when you do, then even more seems to come out because you're not touching it. I had considered taking collagen during the fast once daily in a hot coffee. But number one, it's not a complete protein, but it does tamper with autophagy. So I didn't bother. Number two, I did do it one day and then I had gut rot. I didn't feel good. Mm. And number three, I barely had hot coffee. So I didn't feel like trying to find another vehicle to get collagen or anything like that into me. I also wasn't interested in pumping supplements. I also understand that it's like the whole concept of what goes up must come down. Mm. The hair dropping doesn't last forever. It is a phase. It's not uncommon. It's not this. I mean, if you have a thyroid issue or there's something going on and you're having continual issues, clearly that's a whole different story, but a temporary phase of hair dropping is not a cause for concern for me. I've been through it several times. I mean, after I had my first child, I lost so much, it receded and then grew back like a lion's mane. It is what it is. I mean, I just... And it does it, regrow. I have, And it comes back different and healthier. Yes, I have had that happen. I mean, I've had some hair falling out last year when I draw, you know, lost 70 pounds, you know, it's gonna help you lose that much weight. Some of your hair is going to fall out, but I've had actually no problems of regrowth. My hair is actually stronger than ever. I do supplement with biotin and some vitamins and stuff. Do you have a spiritual experience during this fast? Nothing super outstanding. Spiritual, yes, in the sense, like there was a book I was reading every day called Purpose Driven Life. And so it was almost like doing a daily devotional. And so I was resonating with what I was reading every day. It was almost like every day it totally was bang on about the day. I started going to a program with my husband. I posted about this on my social media on Wednesday. We started going to a program called Celebrate Recovery. So in just dealing with habits, hurts, and Mm hangups. So it's similar to a 12-step program, but it's through a church. And so, you know, I was starting to feel connected more to the spirit side of things through that feeling a sense of calm in the storm a little more than maybe I might have on other days. It was more subtle changes. For some people, this might be TMI, but it gets asked a lot, especially properly. Everyone wants to know about poop. (laughs) 
question. Literally, almost daily, people would ask me about it. Like one person specifically said to me, was it difficult your first poop after you ate? And I said, girl, I can count on one hand out of 42 days of fasting, how many days I did not have a bowel movement. Really? <laughs> and people were like, I don't understand what, yeah. what was coming out of you. Huh. And although scientifically I can't answer that, literally what I can assume is autophagy breaking down and recycling things. And that's yeah. the waste mechanism Toxins. for, yeah, yeah like toxins and stuff. Yeah, like exactly. That. So I mean, if we eliminate food waste mm. through our colon, well, then any other waste and protein and dead cells and scar tissue. I mean, I know there were several times during the fast, my insides of where all my skin removal incisions were, were insanely itchy, but that phantom itches, the ones you can't get to all nerve related. But I mean, you would imagine that your body's breaking down stuff. And so literally, maybe four or five days out of the six weeks, I didn't have to have a bowel movement. And so just so people know, yes, you still poop when you fast and it's totally normal. Wow. that's incredible. It's also normal if you don't, like if your body's cleaned out and the healing is minimal, then you may not. Yeah. That's a very interesting point. I would love to know more about like really what happens, like how is your body still producing so much waste I know even though you're not ingesting any food especially after 42 days yeah like on a dry fast I wouldn't go on a dry fast day but after I had my first eight ounces of whatever fluid then I'd have to go interesting (laughs) yeah some people that like start like longer fast or like especially dry fast they do like a cleanse they try to get like as much out of their intestines yeah well otherwise your body's holding the toxins yes i mean so i had no issues with that yeah that's awesome but (laughs) like when i've done like a five-day dry fast i did do like a little bit of a cleanse like taking a little extra magnesium yeah carnitine just to kind of get the food waste out of my intestines so the other waste has a open route of eliminating other stuff without the food you know i'm sure it would all come out eventually but on the well it's a little bit different, I think. It is. Your body your body stops differently. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is that for me, I normally take magnesium in the evening. Mm-hmm. And although it's not the most recommended kind, I do use magnesium citrate in powder form mm-hmm. for bioavailability. And that's what's been working for me. Yeah. However, one really interesting thing I noticed, and I didn't put the two and two together at first, the first couple of weeks, I was so bruised everywhere. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I know sometimes people start keto, they end up getting more bruises. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is crazy. I have more bruises now than when I was on a blood thinner. So I wasn't entirely sure. I figured it just had to do with being in a deep state of ketosis. So, and going to the gym. So, but then I found the magnesium citrate was ripping through my intestines too much. So I eliminated it during the rest of the fast a week later. And for the remainder of the fast, the bruises that I had cleared up and I got no more. So I did some deep diving on the internet and found out that magnesium can impact blood viscosity and that fasting, particularly dry fasting can help thicken your blood, but then dry fasting does the opposite. And I just started learning all these things. And so I, 
came to my own hunch that the magnesium citrate was severely increasing my blood's clotting properties and I was bruising like a peach. Took that away, it stopped happening. How many days post breaking the fast are you currently? Today's day 10. Okay. So tell us about your refeed, your story of you were going to go for 45 days, I believe. Well, I said said 40, Uh but then I realized that it's, see, Lent is more so a Catholic thing and I'm not Catholic, but it's still, I like the idea of the 40 days, Mm -hmm. but they take Sundays off. Yes. And so that's where they get the 40, but it's actually on the calendar it's 46 days so I said 40 days but then I was like well I might as well just do 46 Mm -hmm. so I was going to do 46 but then I thought I've always been told if you get nausea or you feel sick you need to stop Mm -hmm. well I had black coffee three days in a row and I thought oh it gave me gut rot because I hadn't been drinking it Mm -hmm. and then I wasn't feeling right and so I thought it's just time something's wrong So I I had a tea that didn't help. I had some sipping cooking broth, not bone broth. It didn't help. And then I said, I need to start cooking homemade broth because I don't feel right. Side note, there was a virus going around. My mother had it. Mm. My closest friend had it. Like a stomach stomach virus? A stomach, a gastro and gastro bug. So I believe whatever virus was going around probably impacted me. I probably could have finished the fast had that not happened. So no regrets. Like I had to, I was not feeling well. So, you know, step one was I tried tea. Step two was I tried just like a salted cooking broth, didn't fix it. So then the next step was I put the bones in the slow cooker, apple cider vinegar, cooked it for 24 hours. And then, so last Wednesday, I started with homemade bone broth, you know, the kind that has a nice gelatinous fat layer on the top. Mm -hmm. And so the crazy thing is, If I do a 72-hour fast, typically the first thing I have, regardless of what it is, very quickly, there's almost that urgency to get to a bathroom. So I anticipated that because I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, 42 days, my gut's probably going to be like, whoa, what, you know, what, what's this? And it didn't happen. And so then the next day, you know, I went for the broth again a couple times and didn't happen. And I remarked to my friend, Mary, you know, we talk all day. And I said, I can't believe this. I have no, like, not only did I not have that, oh my gosh, yeah, my gut doesn't know what's happening. I need to go to the bathroom right now. Urgency. I didn't even have that kind of, you know, gurgling. Hmm. There was no churning or gurgling the way you would normally have after a few days of a fast when your body's like, oh, here we go again. It didn't happen. And so then the third day, it didn't happen. I'm like, this is wild. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, stuck with kettle and fire broth or homemade broth. And I was fine. So I said, okay. So for Easter those Sunday, foods, just broth for, the first- for those four days, just broth, just broth. Okay. And then Sunday, Easter Sunday. So day five, I decided to introduce eggs, which there seems to be split down the middle. Half the people say, oh no. Yeah eggs trigger people. And then other people say eggs are so gentle. I find first food egg. I'm good with them. So I made egg biscuits and egg drop soup. So I had four eggs between the biscuits and the soup. It was four eggs and homemade broth. 
and I was fine. So I was like, geez, like this is, this is remarkable. It's almost like my gut was so peaceful and so healed that it was like, thank you for giving me this. And we're just going to take our time and just, you know, work on it. And then Monday I thought, oh, I'll repeat the same and add some meat. Mm-hmm. So I did. It's a little much. Had some peanut butter too. Body did not like that. <laughs> so just taking it- And then I've kind of feasted since Monday. Okay. So taking it pretty slow, just kind of. Yeah, I was like, I went slow, 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 slow. <laughs> Food. Yeah. Food. Let's eat all the things for a few days. Mm. Were you worried about the refeeding syndrome? And for those who don't know, it's more common when you're doing long, just water fast, when you're not ingesting any electrolytes, like with statues, where you can get a shift of certain electrolytes in your body and it can actually be life-threatening. So that's, I mean, look it up. Obviously, we're not going to discuss it in details, but was there any issue with worrying about that or you were... No. So the thing is, okay, well, first of all, for anyone who is curious, one of the best resources to learn about refeeding syndrome, if you type in the fasting method, Mm -hmm. refeeding syndrome, you'll get Dr. Jason Fung's article about it. And it's not only a good article, but it's from a nephrologist. So he'll explain it really well. And no, so because I am well-versed into what refeeding syndrome is, and that it is almost entirely related more so to the people who are in starvation mode and not supplementing electrolytes, you know, like people who come out of concentration camps. I knew that I was very much fortifying my body with my electrolytes and the baking soda and things that it needed, Mm -hmm. that I didn't have concerns that it would be a shock to my system. So, I mean, if I had never heard of it before and hadn't been having electrolytes, I probably would have had a bit of a panicked moment, but I absolutely know that I wasn't in any dangerous zone as far as solid and potassium and magnesium during the entire fast. So breaking it, I also didn't just sit down. I mean, I've broken a five-day fast before with a Baconator and a salad at Wendy's. I do not recommend that. (laughs) You're you're not going to get refeeding syndrome, but you're not going to feel very good. So I knew not to do that, but I also knew that as long as I was salty for the whole time, I shouldn't get that shift. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I feel like most people that listen to us, our community, most of them are snake diet followers, people that ingest some electrolytes. And I cannot stress enough how important it is, especially salt, like pink Himalayan Mm -hmm. salt with your water. It's so important. If you're just drinking that straight water, you are actually doing more damage because you're flushing out a lot of these electrolytes. When you in ketosis, it's so much easier to flush out those electrolytes as opposed to when you're eating food and drinking plain water. So very important. Yeah, like if if you get up at the end of the day, if you're on your recliner or lying in your bed or in a hot bath and you get up and you feel dizzy, mm-hmm. woozy, Or if you feel like the room gets dark and then light again, get your electrolytes into you and start being extra careful about not getting up too quickly. Yeah. Yeah, Because you could hurt yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And one rule of thumb, like some people say, well, how much salt do I need? I like, in fact, I just, Dr. Barry posted a video today talking about blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And so he was talking about the importance of sodium 
And he said, your body is actually really intelligent. If you eat something or drink something and you think that's really salty, your body is good. You have enough. If Likewise, if you drink it or eat it and you think, hmm, that could use some salt, that is your body's way of saying, yeah, man, you do need some sodium. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, your body. And so same with Soleil water, because people will say, well, how much do you put in? A teaspoon, a tablespoon? Start with a teaspoon. If it tastes mm-hmm. fine, try two teaspoons. If it tastes fine, try a tablespoon. If it feels a little salty, you're probably good at two teaspoons. Your body okay. tells you. How much do you typically ingest sodium or do you have? Don't measure it. it I just just, let my body be the guide throughout the day. If I have a headache, I'll walk by and Mm -hmm. take sodium. You feel dizzy. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because a couple of times I thought I have chronic sinus issues. And a couple of times I thought, "Uh oh, am I getting a sinus infection? Because it hurt here. Mm. It wasn't my sinuses. I needed salt and it the symptoms were coming on as though it was like a sinus infection, but I was clear there was nothing happening. It was, I needed salt Mm. and then it went away. So it was like your body pain signals can throw you off and you think I'm getting a migraine and then you'll go pop some Excedrin only to realize it wasn't a migraine at all. You drank too much fresh water, peed too much and you needed salt. Mm -hmm. I I used to drink so much water and fasting has really dialed that down. After this, are you planning to go back to OMA, TUMA? Are you going to do more fasting, like shorter fasts, 48, 72s? What's your plan or have you thought about it yet? Or I've been thinking about it daily. Currently, what I think I might try starting Monday for two weeks is the protocol I had been doing from December until February, which was to eat on Monday do a 72, which, cause Tuesday, I don't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Wednesday's cardio day. I prefer fasted cardio. We've, we've decided mm-hmm. then that puts me eating Thursday. So Monday and Thursday are heavy lifting days. So I would eat, do a 72 and eat mm-hmm. and then do, this is what I'm thinking a 48, which puts me eating on Saturday and then do a 48 to start the whole thing again, Monday just do that for two weeks. And then I'm pondering alternate day fasting in May, maybe. I've never done that. So I kind of like the idea of doing alternate day fasting and keeping it to a one or two meal window. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just listening to your body and seeing how your body feels, you know, because yeah. again, you want to change things up. You know, if you're doing something all the time, your body's so smart, it's going to adjust to whatever you're doing. So yep. I think it's so important to keep, keep it open, change it out. What one month, if you want to do all that, do it. If next month you want to throw in some 48s or different things, I think it's so important to keep your body guessing and, trying different things and figuring out. And plus I want to, I want to figure out what the sweet spot is to start making gains at the gym. Mm -hmm. Because like I had said before, I only got cleared to start heavy lifting in January. Yeah. So, and then I've done this fast. And so I want to start learning how and when to fuel my body in such a way that I can maintain a loss I'm not saying necessarily lose more, but maintain the loss and then work on body composition changes mm-hmm. and being able to do a push-up for the first time in my life, 
Yes. You know, now that my shoulder's not bothering me, I can start working on those things. There's things that I haven't been able to work on, but now I want to start seeing changes in my posture and my waist and my back and strength. And so it'll be less focused on the skill because if I do maintain the loss, but start building more muscle, it, Mm-hmm. it skews what that scale looks like anyway. Yeah. So it's more about how I feel in my body, my mood, my sleep, my skin, my physique, my strength, not so much the scale at this point. I think that's an excellent goal. I have one last question that I feel like a lot of people struggle with. So, you know, here, give us some advice. Here's someone that just finished a 42 day fast for, for people that are beginning this fasting journey and they can barely go a day or 16 hours or even 24 hours, 48 hours fasted, what advice would you give to people that are in that early stages of fasting or even experienced fasters that just cannot get back into the game? And here is someone you know, obviously, I'm not recommending, you know, go and do a 42 day fast, but I'm just wanting to use your expertise to show people, you know, like, what, what can you do? This is like, this is not to have people go do 42 day fast. This is to encourage people to understand if someone can do a 42 day fast, like, yeah, I can do a 24 hour fast or three-day fast, yeah. five-day fast, like what What would be your advice to those out there that are struggling? And I'm sure I've said this before, <laughs> like I probably repeat myself all the time, um, Okay, <laughs> but a couple of things for anybody at any stage of any fasting, you get a build on it. You know, it's like when you start a new healthy eating plan, you start out just eating as much throughout the day as you need to, as long as it's foods that are on your list. And then eventually you just kind of try to shorten that down. I mean, so you just sort of try to start out by eliminating snacks and then pushing out breakfast or pushing out one meal. Once you're comfortable with that, if you have a desire to fast longer, it literally is no different than me saying, I want to learn to do push-ups." Well, the only way to start learning to do them is to start doing them. Even if I only can lower an inch, eventually it'll be two inches and then three. And so if you're only used to fasting 10 hours out of your 24 hours, Focus first and just get into a 12 and 12 split, you know, and then eventually push out a meal. Eventually, it's like a muscle, you'll build it. And then if you do want to seek longer fast, the biggest piece of advice I can give is actually not even my own. It's Cole Robinson's because the mistake I made last year is I was fasting big and then frigging up my refeeds every single time. And I listened to his video and actually somebody had a transcript of it too. And it talked about yo-yo fasting. And he said, anybody can fast, anybody, until you can do 20, 20 consecutive short, tight fasts with clean, short, tight refeeds. Do not even attempt a longer one. And I heard him say that a year ago. And I just said, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I was cocky. And I said, no, I can do it. Mm -hmm. But until I truly listened to that and I counted, I did 19 cycles of 24, 48, and 72-hour lengths between December 7th and February 17th. Because I said, you know what? He's right. Mm Fasting is the easy part. Until I can do it and show that I am responsible to keep it going, I didn't even, and then it just, the timing worked out well for this for me, 
But if it's you, it's anybody else, start by just building the fasting muscle in general and get comfortable with your routine. And then don't attempt anything super big until you've done quite a few consistent fasts and feeds and fasts and feeds in various circumstances and stress levels and family events, because otherwise it's not going to end well. Yeah. But keep it simple and just build the muscle. Yeah, because otherwise you're just going to get caught up in that vicious cycle. It's actually more I did. mentally exhausting. I've been, I've been there myself my first year of fasting. I would fast hard, binge hard. I mean, yep. it was like mentally I felt even more defeated because I was like, why can't I just do this? And yeah. it wasn't, you know, it, it, you, just, you have to start slow. You have to focus on the refeeds. The refeeds are key. And pick a time. If you want to do one that's longer than you've ever done, pick a time when you don't have your mom's birthday party or Mother's Day or Christmas. Pick a time when you don't really have a whole lot going on so that if you feel like garbage, you can go rest Yeah. or break your fast. Yeah. You know, and not only that, just there is no rule that says you have to fast. Fasting is powerful, but no one says you have to. People think, well, these other girls are fasting for seven days, like it's nothing. So if I can't get to the point of being able to fast for seven days, I'm obviously failing. And it's like, not at all. No, no. Maybe your limit will be a 96 hour fast Mm -hmm. and never anything longer. That's incredible. You're still tapping into so much healing. It's your, it's your own journey. And, you know, if, if you do have a lot of stress in your life, a lot of work stress, family stress, fasting is probably not the best thing to do when it's all happened because that's right and back to the sleep mm-hmm. master your sleep before you master a longer fast yeah. because if you're not sleeping in a fed state you're definitely not going to sleep in a fasted state mm-hmm. and when you already have so much stress going on in your life fasting can be an audit stressor like you want to approach it yeah. from a calm manner like you you want to be excited about it and and understand that it's such a great benefit to your health, not like, oh, I can't, you know, you stress about, or just focusing on the weight. And I, I get it. Like I know yeah. fasting is for majority of people out there, they do it for the weight. And I understand because that's initially why I did it. When it's I- okay that that's a part of it. Yeah, it is. But, when but started- it shouldn't be the only part of it. Yes. Because when I started learning about all the other benefits of fasting, it actually made me even more excited about fasting. And, and, and I was more encouraged to fast because I knew, you know, the scale didn't move. And I was like, just disappointed at the fasting thing. Then I was still, I would still fast because I knew that I'm going to get some health benefits from it as well and heal all the other issues in my body. So you know, again, educate yourself, knowledge is power. And the more you know about it, the more encouraged you're going to be to do it. If you not, if you don't only focus on the weight, and again, the scale is one thing, yes, great benefit, nothing wrong with that. But eventually, there's so much more. It's, it's that general picture of health and feeling better, because that we all want to feel better mentally, physically, emotionally, and fasting is such a powerful tool for all of those areas of your body. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You're amazing. I just love following your journey. I will link your Instagram below as well. And just thank you so much for taking your time. I always appreciate your 
wisdom, your knowledge, your advice, and I'm sure others will as well. Always a good time. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share it on your social media, and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.